We are in Champions League, man. That was my Dilly din, dilly dong, come on. I will love it if we beat them. Love it. This is the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast with Gary Kearney. Hello, welcome to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. My name is Gary Kernin. This week we are joined by Candice Fabry, founder and mentor at Fearless and Capable, a female-led mentorship program for women working in sport. She also has extensive experience on the grass as a coach and in the coach education world as well. So this is a topic that's been in social media for a couple of weeks now. Ground Guru did a brilliant article on it. Carla Ward in The Athletic this week has been talking about it as well. Life balance and coaching. Is it possible? Is it just a myth? How can we manage the hectic world of football, soccer and family life? And can we achieve happiness alongside that? All this and more in this conversation. You're going to love this. Please let me know what you think. At MSC Education on Twitter, at Modern Soccer Coach on Instagram. Please, if you enjoy it, go the extra yard, share it with the coaching community, help us keep growing the podcast. Also, please go ahead, check out modernsoccercoach.com. A lot of new material there. We're trying to get content up every week. So we've got a new video this week with Nate Lee. Check out that there. Also, a new book is out in the next couple of weeks. Detail. So I look at some takeaways from the podcast with almost 2 million listens in three years. An inside look and how all these episodes connect to the coaching journey. I love writing this. And I would not be able to do it if it wasn't for all these great guests we've had on the podcast and people like yourself who have helped us grow it. Thanks for all the support. Please check out the book, Detail Modern Soccer Coach, coming out very soon. Here is Candice. Enjoy. Candice, thanks so much for joining me today in the Modern Soccer Coach podcast. <laughs> yeah, that is fantastic. I appreciate it because I've, I've been fortunate to know you now for several years and been able to catch episodes. I will say by far, uh, Emma Hayes was one of my favorite episodes. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, actually, ironically, not that we planned this, but I do have an uh, Emma Hayes clip coming up, so we can chat about that later on. Awesome. There we go, yeah, yeah. I wanted to get into recording as quick as possible. We've been chatting about 25 minutes there. Um, you've said life, you've given me your thoughts on life balance um, and your disgust at the phrase. Uh, it's well used in today's society. Why do you not believe in it or, or what, what, why is it unrealistic pursuit? It's not that I don't believe balance is achievable, but I think of it as in that grand scope of when my time expires, my final, final whistle, can I have balance there? Can I look back and say, you know what? I focused on my career during this time and I loved it. When I brought a child into the world, I put all my attention into that child. And when my child needed me, I did it. And so I look at these things and I talk about priorities. Priorities to me are the way we should be speaking. And we talk about the reality that priorities rank high, mid to low. And if we sit in a space of understanding we have priorities and priorities are a good thing, not a bad thing. And we learn to impact those high priorities because our attentions, our thoughts, 
our feelings, our support systems know this is where we really want to be attentive right now, whether we're forcibly or, or, you know, choosing to be high priority and then have these great abilities to be efficient in our low and mid priorities that, that all stems from knowing where I want to kind of end up again, that final whistle, who is the Candace that makes me most proud? What are my values and my principles, the life I want to live? Like, how do I want to live with the relationships that I really want to have? What are the types of places I want to live and the hobbies I want to have? Because that gives me that fulfillment. And then the career wise, forget the title. Like, what do I truly do at the end of the day that brings me joy and fills my cup, whatever corny term you want to go. And I look at my life and I sit and I make intentional time to reflect and block time out to hit all of those. There's never balance today, tomorrow, next week. But at the end of the day, I think if I can hit kind of how I want to treat myself, the people around me in my career, I've balanced it out. And so if we talk about priorities and we remove guilt because balance makes us feel like we're doing something wrong, that we aren't as attentive. And we feel that enough. So just remove balance and talk about this is to your partner, your friends. This is a high priority for me. And I hope you can support me right now in that. If that might be my boss, this is a high priority in a, you know, a mother identity or, you know, a personal identity, whatever it may be. And we just start supporting each other in that instead of looking and being like, you're not balanced. Yeah, it's not attainable. So I, I, that word associates to me too much guilt and spinning instead of being efficient and working towards what we actually want to do with our lives and control it. And doing it well too, right? Because there's, yeah. there's no phrase about what well, if you chase three rabbits, you don't catch any of them. So if you, if you do balance it up, uh, you're not actually going to be a good partner or enjoy yeah. anything. You know, all these things are going to get away from you. Yeah, just I, I love that. I think that. I'm stealing that, by the way, because um, I have heard of that. Probably, really long time ago. It's probably it's probably wrong. It's probably two rabbits. <laughs> <laughs> but it is. It, it's real because I know that's it's a conversation constantly. And well, how do you balance it all? And my frank answer is don't. I think it's cool. I think it's good to be a priority minded person. But if you're only living in one level of priority and you're only living with a high priority in one area and you're not taking time to reflect if it's truly working you towards what you want, that's where we misstep. I think that's the biggest thing is we sit too much in one space and we prioritize one area over the others without, and that becomes this, this spinning cycle of not acknowledging the other identities we hold outside of you know the profession that actually drags us down and causes burnout, in my opinion. Yeah, um, we're going to talk a lot about coach development in this conversation and, and a lot of the young coaches coming in that, in a society that is commercial everything today in terms of product is being personalized so happiness is being almost say well you can get your sneakers made a certain way or your phone made a certain way and where do you think this perfection or do you think there's a perfection of what we want coaching to be uh when we before we start out or as we start out yeah and i think we we mirror our our sense of perfectionism on the people either that we admire or are put out on the commercial side of success, okay? And to me, that perfectionism, we, we equate one sliver of a human being going very, very well as they have it all together, that they're not making as many mistakes, that 
everything must be going well. And I think that's why we get so disappointed by our heroes when we hear the true story, because we relate so young, so at such a young, young age that this is what the perfect coach, this is their demeanor. This is their, um, you know, their style. And, and if I want to be that, that's what I have to mimic and mirror instead of finding that, that uniqueness, that individuality, because they actually brought that, like, that's the reason we admire them. That's why they're in commercials is they actually brought that really unique quality that no one else possessed. And that's why they're actually there. Not because they mirrored what they thought was perfectionism. They truly brought their unique selves. And I think we lose track of that. And as social media throws in front of us, another award, another badge, another title that I have no idea what the heck you do by your title. And I don't say that, that we shouldn't be evolving mm. and thinking about what is needed in the world of, of coaching. And, and there are some unique positions that need to be created. But at the end of it, this commercial, commerciality of our own unique selves and making our brand, we actually are just trying to mim mimic and mirror what we think is perfectionism when the reality is, is we're not bringing our true essence and who we are and how we want to be and what we want the world to perceive us as, or not our authentic self, that that perception is key. And I, I think that's where we lose it is because it's just, it's so ingrained in us to be good soldiers. And I think that comes from a little bit of the participation where we don't value unique players' contributions at times. We create lemmings instead of really valuable, talented, somewhat controversial, difficult players in the game that can actually make their uniqueness better and make the, the game better because of their, their talents and what they're capable of doing. And we tend to suppress that. And we look in commercials and, and we look at that perfectionism of they must have it all together. And then we just get lost in who we actually are as individuals. You said something there that, that, was, that was really interesting, that as, as a leader in coach education and you want to almost promote yourself but by promoting yourself, you then move away from the reality of what it is, right? You're not going to take a picture of yourself driving home after a defeat. You do it after a win and stuff like that. Right. I. Which hurts your brand, which hurts your money, but ultimately creates a bigger problem. I've noticed that with Modern Soccer Coach. Uh, probably why I tweet less now than what I used to. Because yeah. like, I, I... Because I think now it's it's starting social media now is I've noticed it. Have you noticed it uh, over oh. the last couple of years? Yeah, I mean everything is about the next job I got or the next badge or the next um, you know organization that it appears a tier up. And I think what I would love so much more to see is the reality because social media is at the forefront of a lot of people's daily activity that if we don't start speaking truth to what the reality is, is we're gonna lose sight of what this job actually means. And so I posted a picture the other day of, I was, uh, my daughter woke me up in the middle of the night and this is after being gone for about five days. And uh, she just wanted to cuddle. And so I get out of the bed, we go to the couch, I, I got a bad back. I hurt my back in college. Like, it's not a good thing for me not to sleep where my bed is comfortable. But she needed me. And I had to be like, frank and honest, like my husband took the picture, which I appreciate, because I am exhausted. And I'm like, this is the reality is that it's not a great moment. But this is the guilt that you feel. And these are the moments that 
are hard because she hasn't seen me in five days. But then I also talk about the moments where, you know, I, I try to be honest and frank of, you know, the kid arrived at soccer practice, by the way, my own daughter forgot her shin guards and cleats, right. you know, like we don't have a water bottle. We forgot treat day. Like, I think you need to put some of those real pieces out. And I know from a perspective of someone that is, constantly seeking the real vulnerable truth behind that glossy image. I am someone that would prefer to see you in the most darkest moments in your failure. Like I love the rebound questions. Like how do you dig yourself out? And as coaches and professionals that are getting into the development of athletes, developing them to learn how to succeed in the darkest, most failure moments because they have more of those we don't model what that actual looks like that actual process we're i think doing a big disservice because it actually leads to more success in my opinion if we model and allow them to work through the failures and we show them what failure looks like and not just degrade them you know we're actually going to see better athletes we're going to see better coaches development of coaches has got to be more real and more tangible and less about what's on your shirt and more about I mean, it sounds corny, but like, what truly do you believe in your heart and your mind, the mat, the game needs and your impact you're going to actually leave when the final whistle blows, because <laughs> that's what counts. But I think we are too eager to seek outside of the people we trust. So I talk a lot about to the, to the women I mentor is creating your personal board of directors. Mm. Okay. Who are the people that in the time of challenge and the time of doubt and the time of needing to shift or pivot a career or whatever it may be, who are the people that you could validate that could come in and really mean something? Because that is, and I face it with my own children, it's the amount of likes and retweets and things that equate to the quality of the human being you are, which is like, again, they're only seeing the sliver of you. And for every, and, and I laugh because I saw one the other day where I was like, I literally could produce like three emails on you specifically, not following that. Yeah. And I'm like, but again, you know, we're not all perfect and, and we make mistakes and we're not everybody's cup of tea. Fine. But at the same time, how do you, how do you get out of that world and you actually come into like human interaction? That's why I think it's so valid that my, like when I can get chances to elevate voices of people that I think are really valuable to the community, like go back to the example at the very beginning, your interview with Emma Hayes. I want more women and men to see the quality that Emma Hayes brings. It is not about, I know Gary Kernin. You're great. You're wonderful. I, I, cool. I get to say, I get to talk to you, but that's not about Gary Kernin. It's about actually elevating the voice of minorities in a lot of ways and and finding that i think that's a valuable tool that i use social media for where and whose voices can we help elevate to give lived experiences value and validation but not a validation of commercialism and and fakeness of tweets and and likes it's not that it's it's where's the real content the real life the life stuff that really actually makes us better people one of my first episodes i interviewed uh fergus conley and asked him about, you know, uh, Fergus's work with some of the best in different sports and asked him what was the what was the separator? Like, if you want to work at the highest level, what was what would it take? And he, he kind of chuckled and said, it depends what you want to give up and sacrifice. And 
I wanted to get your thoughts on that. How do you, when you're mentoring coaches, how do you how do you approach sacrifice? Yeah. Are there certain things that you're going to say? Listen, you got to give some of that up, or you got to be okay with none. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah. I sacrifice is life. I mean, I think that's the part that, as a coach of youth for several years, I despise the term. I want more. Mm-hmm. Give me more. Do you know what more equates to? Because usually the sacrifice was social. You know, the social aspect of friends and so on that are are sacrificed. And so I do, I believe it's a part of human nature that we give up things in order to achieve. I don't think that's going away. I don't think it's a bad thing, actually, because it goes back to those priorities. But where I think the issue actually starts to come in is that when we sacrifice without knowing where we want to go. So we, we, we're just sacrificing willy-nilly because I don't really know the essence of me. I don't know where my values stand. I don't know where my principles stand. I don't truly know me. So I'm just looking at the next thing and going, yep, that's me. The sacrifices I'll manage as they come along. Because the sacrifices are the things that actually start to catch up. And a lot of times it's our relationships. You know, I've been talking, I, I, I'm a big proponent that this conversation of moms that coach, I love it, support it. It needs to be parents that coach. We need more men talking about being a parent and the sacrifices. If you are going at the highest levels, what the time away will actually mean. That sacrifice of physically not being there. We need more men and more women to talk about that space and the ramifications that happen there. Because we all talk about the sacrifice, but we don't talk about the consequences of the sacrifice. And until we get into real productive, vulnerable, hard, stuff we're all just going to keep seeing each other make these in quotes mistakes divorces um you know feelings of abandonment of their child or whatever it may be that they don't actually want is because the sacrifice comes just willy-nilly instead of true vision to where you want to go and so we talk a lot about our our ideals the ideal because it's not perfectionism ideal is not perfect Ideal has challenge, it has sacrifice, it has obstacles. So if we can envision what are we ideally doing in our career, which will equal a sacrifice here. I want to work here, which means community-wise, these things might not be able to happen as much. Am I okay with that? But that comes in reflection. So we have no vision. We're just going, we have no intent in what we're looking to do. Then we suck at time management. I mean, that is, that is something that it's, you know, I'm like time management works different for everybody, but if you can't tell me your time management skills, forget where you think you are right now, like go back to square one. So no intent, lack of ability to manage our time. And then we don't reflect because reflection's weird. Reflection, self-reflection is awkward. It's, it's time that can be used somewhere else. And we all want to reflect on the match, right? We'll talk about our coaching decisions. We'll talk about the substitution patterns that I should have done, or I shouldn't have done that with that player, you know, the, the formation and the the tactics that we chose in certain moments. We'll reflect out the wazoo about that. But are we reflecting on the fact that I promised my significant other that I was going to be in that time frame available to them and I did it. And what are the consequences for not doing that? Because I actually, I value part of my ideal self is that I am someone 
to the people I love the most that they can count on when I say I will be there. And I did it. And, and so we, we, we mess up that reflection piece or we just avoid it because it's going to, the reflection is going to come out that you probably screwed something up and you can't blame a lot of other people besides yourself. And so we get uncomfortable in that space and we avoid it. So to me, if, if we're going to look at sacrifice, how do we manage it and, and get less guilty? We have intent by knowing ideally what we look for for ourselves to fill our bucket. We block our time and we have a time management skill. And then we reflect, like really dig deep on where I screw up and where I want to go. That comes also through mentorship, having people to call out and talk to. I mean, that'd be one of the questions I'd, I'd have for you, Carrie, like as a dad who is a mentor, who's a coach and dad that you get to talk to when you have questions about how that space feels. I don't yeah. have one. Yeah. That's a common, I ask guys all the time because they want to ask me how it feels to be a mom. <laughs> and I'm always like, who are you talking to? Because yeah. I can tell you a lot of them don't have that. I mean, my husband is, is kind of a walking example of that too. He, he has very few people he can talk to and feel like that's not a taboo subject to talk about being as a father in this game that what, you know, the game's important. So yeah, that's, yeah. But just on that topic, then I'm going to show you a clip here. I've got a few interviews that have, that have cooked up. These are, uh, this one is uh, Bobby Robson. Now, one of my favorite, all-time favorite, just based on a few documentaries I've watched on him. Um, even as an England manager, he was he was magnificent. Carried himself really enthusiastically. But in this in this little segment, he talks about uh, the, the regrets he had in his career. And I wanted to get your thoughts on again. You, you've kind of touched upon it there, but if you if you met a Bobby Robson midway through his career and he and he and he was going in this direction. Like if you had a coffee with him, uh, how would you help him? Are there any times when I don't like Bobby Robson? Just maybe I think when I have spent maybe too much time at the club, I should have been home a bit earlier. I don't think my family have suffered. But they haven't seen enough of me and I haven't seen enough of them. And I didn't spend enough time with my three sons because the job was eating at me and and I regret that in spite of loving the game dearly immensely uh, I feel that I have been somewhat removed you know removed from my family and I didn't give my family the the time that most husbands do I think so my, my dad would say that um... Bobby Robson probably made 10 million. He's an accountant. So he would be like, but he made 10 million, Gary. His wife and kids would be happy. But that's not the main thing, is it? It's not. I mean, that's why, I mean, we just talked about the convention. Is The best part was the human interaction. And, you know, why did he love the game so much? I, I would expect if you asked him, it has to do with, like, the players, right? And, and the people and bringing up that team. Relationships a part of being a, a human is the relationships you get to build that connection to someone. And I do feel like we, we have a responsibility, a part of this generation. We have listened to a lot of our mentors, our idols who are saying this so frequently that they, they regret the time they didn't spend with family that we are just nodding our head and going, yep, I feel you. 
we're not actively making those conversations the priority. And what I feel like is that we are not accepting that coaching is a lifetime profession for all of us. It can be, it truly can be a lifetime profession if you choose to look at it in, in the things you choose to do and the time you spend in it as you're in it for the long run. And so boundaries. So like to me, when he said I stayed a little bit longer, I'd be looking and going, okay, why? Why did you stay a little bit longer? And I get that. I am the worst that like, I'll be home at 6.30 and I'm home at seven. You know why? Because I talk to players. I want to check in. I think that stuff is all valuable. But at any point I'd go, look at your schedule. Did you stay late today? Do you have to stay late tomorrow? Because if we look at that balance of time, we're looking to balance it at the end of the day. What did you do in the off seasons? And money is great. I, Yeah, I'm looking going, where can I take my family on the next vacation so we can get away from things? But that actual time, that connection with your family, if you're not budgeting it in, if you're not making up for it, if you miss a meeting in work, you reschedule, right? You would not. Why don't we reschedule the time with our family? Why? Like, why does that not become something of the way we think about our time is we have to prioritize it. And I would ask him is why you're staying after. What does it equate in the bigger picture for your athletes? Is it a dependence? Is it a need? Can you delegate? The same way that I talk to, to women at home that are like, I've got, you know, so many things I'm doing at home and then da, 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 and I want to do this with my career and I want to do that. And I'm looking and going, what's your partner doing? Can they, can they cook dinner three nights a week so you can spend another half hour to 45 minutes planning a session out or calling that player? So it, it happens on all sides that when we stop and we look at what we actually want to have happen, which is the reflection piece. We don't want to dive into it. it. Does it takes too much time? It it makes it feel like he just showed us that like really empathetic. I mean, that is like that's somebody I. But I kind of want to hug him, like going, "It's okay." Like, it's it's okay. And I think the more you would come to your family and go, "I've screwed this up," that probably would be the best starting spot. But at the end of the day, if you are sharing your intentions, you're rescheduling the time when you screw it up and you reschedule because it means something to you. It matters to you. And then you truly take the time to go, am I doing what I want in the moment for the people I want for myself? And what if I'm lacking somewhere, where can I make it up? Because I'm taking intentional time to reflect and talk about the things I am doing and the things I'm not doing and creating plans on that. We're not, we're just spinning so much. And that sucks because we have a phone that can contact us 24 seven. People can reach out to us 24 seven. And you do feel so accessible and you really have to create those boundaries and those time management skills to know where you want to go. And if you're not, you're going to spend, you know, a lot of time regretting what you missed out on. I've got friends that have found love and they're scared to death. They're coaches and they found love and they're unsure if it could actually work. And that's really hard to see a friend who loves somebody, but they're scared because they're a soccer coach if it could work. That's a really hard conversation to have. Emma Hayes, you, you talked about her at the start. Uh, it's, it's about a minute. I want your takeaways on on this, what, what you think is valuable, powerful. I don't want to spend time resenting uh, or regretting. I've spent too too much time with them and not too much time with him. 
that I've figured out what works for me. I know now that when a game ends on a Sunday, I don't sleep. So I, on the recovery day from Sunday, I take off and I take the Tuesday off. But on the Monday, I spend time watching the game in between playing. And then on a Tuesday, I spend my time with my son doing bits of bobs. But I still get the little in-between periods because I actually live quite far from Cobham. I do late on Wednesdays, long days, long days, Thursday, short of Friday. Saturday, I take him to work with me for the players and for me, because otherwise I'll be crying. I miss him too much. It hurts me too much. So to take him to work and watch him with the girls, this gives me great joy. I used to take him to games on away games. Only when we're on the train, the bus is just too awkward now. And I accept that. And I actually struggled to do the job when I took him with me, unless the nanny was with me. Um, It's a constant battle. It's one I haven't mastered. It's one that post-lockdown, I won't compromise on the things that really, really matter. I'm adamant I will not miss those big moments. The first school assembly, the first day at school. No football. Nope, not going to compromise it. Family is the most important thing in the world. Uh, no, I remember that moment because I that was just one of those that, you know, as, as someone who wants to be so good in this game, like I truly want to be a coach that I am proud of, that I feel is, is an impactful and, and level-wise – that comes with different pressures. Let's, let's not, you know, sugarcoat that. There are different pressures. Absolutely. Emma Hayes has, as I have to the Casey Courage. Pressure is a, ugh, at the end of the day. But the thing that I, I go back to is listen to the time management. She just laid out the week for us. That did not take Emma just suddenly waking up to having a child and going, okay, this is what the schedule will be. It took reflection It took her going, this is what's important to me. Her going, I miss my child and I cry. That's real life. Like we need more people talking in that way. So she just proved what time management looks like and her creating a schedule that fits the ideals of Emma as a coach, Emma as a person and Emma and her relationships and the life that she wants to live. I think those were the things that really stood out to me. I think the word regret and guilt are way too common in this profession as the reason they leave the game and I really really talk about the fact that as people that are in leadership roles whether that's you know leading a club leading a college program leading whatever you are you have this responsibility that when people are coming and talking about regret or guilt that you acknowledge you empathize and then you try to support with resources and relatable mentorship And I think that relatable piece is really important. Uh, We don't just have one mentor. We have lots, right? We have lots because there's lots of pieces to us. And those relatable mentorship components give us ideas on how to manage the guilt, how to manage that there is already regret. Like I have absolute regrets for the things I've missed for my children. I also have absolute regrets to jobs I didn't take that I wondered what would be happening right now if I didn't, if I didn't choose family over yeah, it happens on all sides of it. But I think the part that we have to be really cognizant of is that we've just now heard legends talking about that time with family. And you heard from one who felt like he didn't do enough to one saying, 
I'm not going to let this happen. And the fact that she takes him to work at times, that role modeling. I love when I see the dads with their kids afterwards. I love when I see the moms. I get Emma saying, I'm not, I have to have certain support systems because I don't feel like I do my job as well. I was adamant in my coaching career. My kids were never on the sideline with me. Um, some are, I don't, I don't see it as a positive or negative. I'm not judgmental of people that have their kids still on the sideline. The value I had in my, my need and my skill set for what I wanted to be as a coach is that my, my priority and my eyes are here, which then the sacrifices of my kid behind me, if I can't watch them, that's just the values that I have, the principles that I had. So sometimes I would lose money, Gary, in the, in the beginning days, I paid more for babysitting than I would be paid to be coaching at the match but I loved it. I was a better mom because I coached that match. I was a better partner because I coached that match. And so I had to wrestle with those values. And I think for her to say, I bring them to the game. I see the kids interact. I also think that's a value that these young boys, I've coached boys. I love coaching boys and they are so wonderful when they actually get their head wrapped around. I'm a mom and a coach and I'm just coached sometimes. And then they ask me how the kids are. I think that's great. I think young men seeing women in roles of influence and power outside of the home is something that's really valuable. And so I, I, I contribute all of that to something that we role model for our, our youngest kids and our youngest players, as well as, you know, think about the young men and women that are about to change their identity from player to something else, whether they're in the pros, whether they're collegiately, whenever that player identity switches to something, can they have the confidence, the time management skills, the intent, the reflection process to go out and be, better humans a lot faster than I was maybe you as well where it's like we took so long to figure this out because we didn't have intent we didn't have time management in a way that was adult like and reflection was just that's for like the therapist like you know it, no that, that's real that's real life it has to happen so uh, I, I value what she said in that conversation because for as little level I was at in comparison to Emma Hayes so much truth was spoken and validated the ways I feel and the things I do to try to protect me and being in this in the long run. Brilliant. Uh, last one then is, is uh, Brendan Rogers. And this is kind of along the line of not family and priorities, but uh, happiness over success, choosing what path. So again, I'm going to let it run one minute and then just give me your thoughts and, and on what you think of it. The biggest thing you can have is happiness. Yep. And, and, and I mean that, uh, in a real way, because stability in your job, which is yeah. unheard of, I think, to the board, yeah, isn't absolutely. It? It's very, very difficult. And for me, from being here, having the chance to look into it, um, it doesn't make me any less ambitious. But it's about what makes me happy as a coach and as a manager, and that's about developing players and winning matches in the preferred way of which I work. Now, I could leave Celtic and maybe double or triple my wages and go elsewhere, but it wouldn't guarantee me happiness. You know, and I see now... Or success, more importantly. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But for me, that, that comes as a consequence. Mm. If you're happy in your work and you get good energy, then you're hopefully you're going to be successful. All right, takeaways. Oh, there's a lot there, and I think listen to the authentic comfort like when he's talking about this reflection of of happiness and what he's doing and the person and the the way he operates 
like he's relaxed. Like I read body language. I try to watch it a lot when I'm talking to, to people that are thinking about their career field. And what are the jobs and the moments where they're so tense and you can just tell that whatever they're focused on is actually sucking energy instead of providing energy. That's a lot of times in their body language and how they approach those types of thoughts of what actually makes me happy. Now, my husband, every time I get offered a new job or an option to do something, and it's not a lot, but it comes along. Well, what will make you happy? And I'm like, stop asking me that question. It drives me nuts. But there's a lot to what will make you happy. And I think we are, by, by people of, of coaching nature, it's a lot of success. It's a lot result-driven, result right? And so I'm happiest when I'm winning is, is because I have a stability in my job. It can get me the next job. It can be, you know, these things that will instill the result will give me the happiness I, I acquire or I desire. And I think when we look at the sum of our experiences, I mean, Gary, what are the things that stand out the most? Is it the wins or is it how you won? Is it the losses? Like what, you know, like in your life and your span of coaching, the winning, the moment's great, but what about the people that surrounded it? The, you know, the, uh, um, the work that it took to get to that moment. Those are the things that actually are value that actually bring the happiness that I think when we're looking again, the reflection piece, what does happiness look like for you? Ideally, what does it look like in your career? And he was really frank and honest, could be making a lot more but the way he values who he is and the abilities that he has within Celtic gives him that, that personal and lifestyle that actually makes him very happy that then produces results. And I think that's the part we're looking for is we want the result, but we're not willing to look at all the components that are actually going to make that result happen. And we think the result will be the happiness when it's actually all these things that surround that end of the day result because we don't remember I don't remember half the scores of games I won that were big games I remember them but I don't I remember the 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 celebration the dog piles I remember you know the first coaching championship I won in college I remember looking at the staff and just being like oh my god we did it like it's not the the who scored it was more about that collective sacrifice that collective unit doing something that we had set out to do and so it was the interactions it's the work in progress and so you know young coaches I talk to a lot about if you win that if your record is that will you be happy and what if it's not what if the result isn't that are you still happy and if we can't ask that question enough and look into all the process pieces I think we're really missing a big gap and that's what I took away from him is He's really process oriented because he knows that gets him actually the results he's looking for from his team, from himself and the life he wants to live. As well, like one of the things that jumped out to me was the, was he said energy. I, I've experienced that myself. It's easier for players to pick up on people's energy and moods than it is for them to pick up on XG and percentages and all that there. Your staff as well. Think about the people that are supporting you whether you're the head coach or if you're the assistant coach, you know, 
people that it's corny, but people remember how you make them feel. And if you are the coach that drains it, and I think it's important too, because when you are energetic and you don't bring it every day, like the, to bring that same energy every day is not realistic. But when you do, and you're someone that puts out that output that people want to gravitate to and are attracted to, when you can't meet that, everyone's way willing to pick up for you that day. You notice that? We're like, they kind of compensate because they know something's in your world that's bringing that down. But when you're constantly that sucker of energy for everyone, your players, your staff, no one's willing to compensate for you. Like they're not going to step into that and make it a better session or come in with a, a, a talk or discussion with a player or a group of players, because it's just, that's the status quo. We live in this meh. And I think that energy level and, and do you see it um, when you're, when you're happiest with your career, do you see that energy come into home life for you? Oh, I was chatting to someone last week and they said, well, you must have a great wife that supports these and, and she does, like my wife is probably more, when you're talking about Paul earlier about would you take the job, would you, my wife's like, just take it, just go, let's go, yeah. let's do it. But she trades off that, I've, this is my opinion, she trades off that type of support for, yeah, but if you come back and you're miserable, this isn't, we're going to have a chat. And that's something that I think she's been more, she's got higher standards in the last two years for like, you've got to be, You've got to be happy if we're going to go in this direction. That's the only thing that, you know, yeah, money can fluctuate or whatever, but yeah, yeah your energy levels has to be good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it does. I, I, I'm one of the ones that stepped away from the game. I was having a very negative experience and a lot of it was external factors and some of it was my own. I, I don't take, um, you know, the, the, the accountability was, was there on me as well in that environment. And I stepped away from the game because I thought I'd be better. I thought it'd be better not coaching. And so I took about nine months off and the person I was without the game was not somebody I was proud of. I was not a great mom in that time. I was not a great spouse. And so I really, when people question stepping away from the game and giving a break, I really talk about what does the game give in terms of the energy source? And when it's, it seems lost, is it truly lost and gone? Or is it how you're approaching or the environment you've surrounded yourself in? And that can be adjusted, not easily, not tomorrow, but it, it can be adjusted and you'll actually find that that energy that you really want. And so, yeah, we've, we've experienced that firsthand where the Candace that I was out of the game was not somebody that he wanted to be married to. It wasn't the mom I was happy with and I wasn't happy with myself. And as soon as I re-entered the game, not any like great, wonderful, perfect job. It was just the fact that I was back on the pitch. It was just a happier candidate it filled that bucket. And, and that's what I encourage for everyone is to find those, those pieces because you actually are. And when you find someone who can respect that. And so, you know, I think if I can imagine lots of soccer talk happens in my house. But it's not the soccer talk that I think everyone would imagine, you know, the X's and O's and the breakdown of things. It's where are we at in our careers and how can what we want independently work as this this sub team that we're on, this team that we hold, which is our ourselves and our kids. And so we constantly are in kind of those reflection modes of, you know, really like, you know, he presented at USC 
well, how did that, like, how do you feel about that? What does that do for you? What does that make you want to do? I'm like, do you want to present again? You know, what would that take to get you there again? And then the same questions are, are given back to me. And, you know, I look at marriage or any type of relationship. I, I'm personally, I don't like the, like, you know, the circles are intertwined because that means it breaks. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, how are we two entities that, you know, can, come together we can ebb and flow in different ways but we always kind of come back to that that sitting support network but we're not interlocked he can exist without me i can exist without him because we are intentional in sharing what we want um and sometimes that takes a little bit longer to get to but we we share that and so i think that's what i give a lot of advice to couples especially people that are don't have a soccer spouse or soccer partner is how much are you sharing what the job means and the intent of what you're trying to get to do they understand that? And then I ask, do you reciprocate those questions in the field and the things they want in life? That starts a lot better of a conversation than just you've got to understand what I'm going through. And I have like, just talk about the intent. Like, I think I, those are the more attractive moments is when I see my husband coaching. Cause I, I know the intent, I know what he wants and loves to do. And that's where I get excited that I get to say he's mine. You know, like those are the things that it's, it's because I know his intent and what he's looking for and what it does for him as a person. Have you ever thought of being a marriage counselor for coaches? <laughs> you know what? I honestly should and start charging out because it is. And it's one of those things that it is. It's it honestly, like I remember there was a, um, there was like a workshop on, on work-life balance and everybody in there was in some part of their, their marriage. And I was just interested, but they were like, Candace, how can you talk to my wife, my girlfriend about this? And, and I was like, no, are you talking to her first? Because like, that's the reality. And I always talk to, especially youth coaches. And I know other, other environments maybe aren't this way, but if you are in an environment where training gets canceled, when you can go home, don't make it up the office hours. Cause you weren't intending to do admin work. Then anyways, you were intending to be on the fields and something has changed that go home. If you don't have a relationship, and that's the other thing, Gary, I think we we sometimes forget as we're talking about people that are in relationships, whether it's with somebody or with kids, um, we're not talking about the, the guys and, and women that are actually looking at, can I have that here? And so we talk a lot about budgeting their time with the family members, like, do you call your parents regularly? Do you call your siblings? Do you call your best friends? And let's talk about in season when things are insane. Are you budgeting that time in? Because now if you are somebody that finds that time management skill to bring those people that you love the most that are not colleagues or your mentors or your network, are you bringing that in regularly? Because now when you do want to bring in someone of a spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it may be, or a child comes into your life, wanted or not at the time, you're more equipped that you've already set yourself as someone that intentionally connects with the people that you love outside of your career. And if you're not doing that and you're someone that would love to eventually settle down, that's the thing. I'd eventually love to settle down, but I don't know how you do it. I don't know how that works. I don't know what people that would understand. I'm like, you need to be in that routine now before someone comes in because now you can really get to the to the essence of that time that you need to, to book. And then the other thing is people like you, people like me, others that are doing this, us being honest that it's hard, but it's doable. It's tough, it's challenging, but it's doable. And so I think that gives encouragement for us to keep actually really high quality coaches because we see those clips that you just showed 
and we don't want them to regret. We want them to be excited that it's doable, make it do better than the people that were ahead of them. So great stuff. Last couple for you. Let's talk about uh, fearless and capable. How did it come around, and and, and what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, what am I doing? Uh, there's there's a lot to it. These this has come around because of conversations like this. Uh, I have been fortunate to be someone that I feel like has had this wide spectrum of uh, roles and responsibilities within the game, um, variety of different types of levels, and whether I'm directly coaching to them, knowing people that are in it, and having these like-minded thoughts about what could be better. And I am someone that, you know, I think I've shared, I was sexually assaulted by my head coach. And so, you know, there was a lot of doubt because he was someone that told me that I could coach. And so there's this like really cog, you know, cognitive thing of, am I really a coach or is this something else? And, and I am in this game because of male mentors. I have fantastic guys that brought me along, brought me to the field, gave me the the support I needed. But the thing that was sometimes missing was that more feminine um, relatability. And it's really about the relatability component. And at times, you know, dealing with the fact that, you know, this was an experience I had, or I'm thinking about being a mom or whatever it may be that had this more gender specific, I really struggled to find it. Um, and so where I developed it was this thought process of, where can mentorship be an opportunity and how could it be an opportunity when it's lacking your environment? Relatable mentorship lacking. It could be because of where you live, because you work, uh, maybe because your title, you're somewhere at the top of the totem pole and you feel like you don't know who to go talk to, to be a better leader. And so that world of the pandemic that gave us this very virtual um, dependency gave this really nice opening on a lot of different projects I was working on to kind of come in together. And so decision-wise on what to call it, I called it fearless and capable because I'm very focused on this mindset with skill set. You can want it all you want, but if you're not good enough, you're not ready. And you can have all the skill set, but you have, you know, struggles with reflection or, uh, you know, imposter syndrome that comes a lot in discussions with women in the game. You know, if we don't have the mindset that we can achieve, we will fail, we will stumble, uh, but we can do this because we also have other people that are like us or have lived experiences we can relate to are in our corner. That's where it's coming together. And I put the big and symbol really big in the logo. Cause I'm like, we've got to, to align these things. You know, we've got to make sure that people are thinking this way. And so what I've done is uh, basically banded these amazing women across the country and they're serving in various roles within the game of soccer. We've actually gone into women's wrestling now and softball. So we're expanding into other sports, which I think is valuable information for all of us to be able to learn from. Uh, but these mentors are women that are willing to kind of do the call back. You reach out, they're there. And so this program is a membership base. So you're in and you have resources. Uh, we have workshop events. We have team huddles, which are these informal, not recorded, just kind of come in and, Validate thoughts and opinions. Uh, I will tell you, it is never a 45-minute complaining session. Um, everything has to come with progress. You cannot just sit there and complain about what you're in. You have to ask for advice. We have to provide suggestions and thoughts um, so that there is progress made. And it's very much an individualized program so that you are intentional with the time you are going to take to progress yourself towards something, a desired skill, 
maybe a desired role or something that you really want to achieve. And so we do that through also one-on-one -on -one mentoring where you get paired up with one of these fantastic mentors that is ready to help answer the call um, to be there. And, and we do it in a several different ways that are outside of just the level that you think you maybe want to coach at. It's, it's really particular to the styles in which you learn best, communicate through, um, and so on. So it's, it's been really fun and exciting because I have gotten to know uh, a fantastic group of mentors of women that are working in the game. And sometimes these are not like the bright stars. These are women that have had the, some of these same upbringings that have had to go through the trenches that are, you know, I talk a lot about, um, we've got a lot of glass shatterers. We're the ones that are kind of getting cut by the glass. We didn't break through and be the first, but we're actually still getting cut by some of the things. And our role is to start making it, you know, finer and finer. So that the point is, is years down the road, women that are in this sports industry, that glass feels like sand. They don't see it. They don't really feel it. It doesn't really bother them as much. Um, and that's some of the goals of what I'm wanting this mentor team to do at the end of the day is, is put that glass a little bit less um, dangerous and a little less, um, you know, a reason that women leave at the end of the day. And so it is really cool. I, I'm excited. It, it is a passion. It's something I love talking to coaches about and, and getting to know some really amazing women and also, and also men. Um, we will have male allies down the road that will come in and mentor. Um, but right now, as we start up, we're trying to really identify where are women that you can relate to by title, by lived experiences and so on. So you, uh, you said there about middle of the road. Like uh, uh, what I'm witnessing is that mentor mentoring, maybe five years ago, even shorter than, than than ten years ago, was it used to be about the young coach. It used to be about like I did a mentorship program in 2017, and everyone was 23, 24. But now it seems that with so much pressure and and just different dynamics in in the coaching pathway that. You almost at any stage the experienced coach need more coaches are now getting that support at different stages of their journey. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's it's. I always get these mentors that are like, well, but can I can I get mentored as well? And I think that is so representative of the people that are that growth minded that you actually want to surround yourself with because when you get a little complacent, I have now surrounded myself with women that are like, we should read this book. We should have this discussion. We should learn about this a little bit more. We should address this topic. And so you're constantly finding that they're actually looking for the resources themselves. And I think that is what is really quite amazing. And when I go back to one of the comments I made towards the beginning of this is that I think our, our generation of coaches, um, and I'd put that in our, you know, maybe 30-ish, mid-30s to about the 50, 55 range. I don't want to, someone's going to shoot me or send me an email. About there, the fact of what yes. But I think we're reflective a lot more of the fact of what we were told doesn't necessarily have to be how we lead the next group and that we are way more, at least attentive to the gaps and the issues that exist within the, the profession. And we want to make sure we're on the starting end of changing some of those status quo ways of what this profession treats parenting relationships life balance um the regret and guilt the climbing the ladder the next badge the next license can we be 
through outlets like social media, be more real instead of all about what everyone else needs to validate for me is more about what can we do to make the game better for our athletes. And then also for the next coaches that we hope we aren't losing because we all just look messed up in some form or fashion. So yeah, that's, that's a big piece of that. Yeah, your uh, your advertising is so good that you've depicted a very accurate picture of coaching that no one wants to do it. I, I mean, it's that's the thing. I hate losing quality coaches, and you're you're really looking at a piece and part where women, some women are just like, I don't trust you that it's gonna exist, and I'm like, just bear with me. Like we are getting there, and and you know what? I think it's it's. The NWSL, as as we all know, had a tough year, and that opened conversations that needed to be had. Um, My hope is that it turns, again, to progress and productivity, um, not sitting in a toxic space that doesn't provide progress. Um, You know, we've talked a lot about what coaching education can and can't do to help better coaches. Like, where where can we have productive conversations? through a Twitter feud is not the productive conversation space. So where can we do that? And because young coaches are looking at us and (laughs) we need to show that this is totally doable. Um, It's not easy. And if you want to be good, you're going to have to work your tail off, Uh, but you can, and there's good people out there that'll help you get to those points while also not sacrificing everything else in your life to do it. So. I know, I know there's like from a, a lot of colleagues that I've spoke to over the, the last right, 18 months, two years coming out of COVID are now trying to get more female coaches on staff into leadership positions. Could a club reach out to you and, you know, to help that process of yeah. improving that there? Yeah. So I pair up and partner with clubs, associations and, and so ever. And, and we do it in a handful of ways as one directly impacting the women that are working in your organization. So how can we, get relatable mentorship to them. That's not a knock on the director or, or, and they sometimes take that. I'm like, no, you're probably getting pieces and parts of this, but how, if she's in it for the long run, she needs relatable mentorship and some other components you may not be able to give. And that, that happens in one form. And then the other part is working with clubs and, and honestly schools and governing bodies in different ways that we talk about some of the low hanging fruit. What are things that female friendly environments have you know one of the things that's really it's so simple but it's so prominent i mean the me too movement isn't like it's not gone and obviously through you know some of the stories that have come out i am way way more in tune with asking about hr policies and things that will set myself and my colleagues up for a safe environment uh, because the the real feeling of power and influence to be a reason you don't speak up is unbearable. Like that is the prominent reason I, I hid my story because of the fear of retaliation and what it would mean for my next step in my career. And so I am very, you know, very, very adamant that if that is not something that you clearly articulate and you're onboarding in your interview processes, like women are getting smart and honestly, everybody, not just women need to be smart about how are, reporting what does safety look like what's hr look like what what protects you because trauma connected directly to soccer i don't have a week really go by now where somebody doesn't reach out and say here's what my story is and it's it's something i have to to manage on my own 
but it's really disheartening because it has it has denied something in the game for them or it has you know routed them differently in the game that you wonder what could have been if the trauma didn't happen so that's one area that i i really think that clubs could and organizations look at too i think the fact of you know how do you recruit new people in so when you tell me you can't find a female coach in your organization i ask about where you're in routes what's your network look like who are you not speaking to how do you advertise the role what's your hiring process actually look like if i come into a, an interview and i have in several where i am the only female in there there is a bit of apprehension to how my personality can come off am i the big b word if i express a lot of opinions um, if i'm too excitable am i emotional Am I too much cheerleader? Like, so you do, you get, and so I, I talk a lot about is what, what is the, the recruiting process and then the actual hiring and then the actual onboarding look like that are you actually attracting females or are you somewhere in the gap? Not, it just doesn't seem like a good place to go. So we talk a lot about that before you actually start to go out and try to talk to women about who they know and what they know and, and First and foremost, if somebody asks me, you know, do you know a female coach? I always go tell me about your your school, your organization. So why would I why would I want to put somebody in that environment? What are you doing? Um, and I honestly, to be really frank, Gary, I ask that about minorities as well. I'm not just targeting women, women of color. Um, I was sitting on a handful of panels this weekend where I heard on multiple times from men of color. Uh, because they are so limited in the numbers of coaching leadership positions um, that they do feel they have to be just in line result. You know, the results have to come because they feel that weight of pressure that if they don't, that could be a representation of the rest of their, their color or gender. And so we, we do, we have to get into the understanding that that is part of what minorities feel like in the game. And so leaders and decision makers have to understand how that comes across in an interview process, how that comes across an onboarding. If you're really, truly trying to create a diversified staff, um, you've got to value the lived experiences and understand how they might feel at different points in that process. Brilliant. Outstanding. That set us up for uh, episode two, which is going to be about leadership positions in clubs. Uh, you, could do, you could do another hour on that easily, couldn't you? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, a lot. <laughs> so, brilliant. Uh, thank you. Candace, how's outstanding? Loved it. Thank you so much. Yeah, um, thank you, Gary. Before you go, I don't want to miss the opportunity. How can people get in touch with you? Yeah, so fearlessandcapable.com and then on Facebook and Twitter at fearlesscapable and then Instagram at fearless underscore capable. And then I'm on all social media at Candace Fabry. That's more like the mom stuff. So they're into the. I enjoy that. Yeah. I, I, you got to have some of that. I think, again, it's how like people know that I am not perfect because you'll see the instances where the daughter's hair is like over here. And I'm like, this is where we're at today. And this is how we're going out. Thank you for listening to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. For more coaching topics, sessions, and resources, head on over to Coach Kerneen on Facebook or visit the website at www.modernsoccercoach.com.